0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, Rotoviz radio listener. This is Curtis Patrick from the Dynasty Command Center podcast. And I've got a special deal for you today. Go to Rotoviz.com, click the subscribe button, Touchdown, Patrick Mahomes!
1: Hello everyone, welcome back to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by Blue Wire. My name is Colin Kelly. You can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, and as always, I'm joined by one of the co-owners of Rotoviz. It is Sean Siegel, now a man who is a host of two separate podcasts or a co-host of two separate podcasts. Of course, I'm talking about Stadium Bananas and here at Rotoviz Overtime. So, looking forward to the discussion today. We are in the midst of. The Scott Fishbowl. We'll be talking a little bit about that. We did also do a FFPC draft this past week for the baseball tournament. We'll be touching on that, and some of you may all, already have heard part one of that draft uh, up on the road of overtime feed. A little bonus uh, edition or a couple of bonus editions coming your way over the next week or so as we drop the draft in full with Sean. Um, it's uh, it's always exciting when we get SFB up and up and going. We talked to Scott last week and we're going to have uh, another great guest this week and Sam Wallace joining us on Thursday's show. So a uh, fun time of the year as we as we really start to get into draft season.
2: It is. This is a, a great weekend that just finished with all the Independence Day festivities have SFB going you mentioned the draft that you and I had a chance to do this weekend that was a lot of fun a little bit different than some of our normal drafts also drafting in a slow draft with Zachary Kruger so he and I are able to plot out our strategy with every pick and we currently have a pure zero RB build going in that one Uh, six wide receivers in the first seven picks with Dak Prescott we kind of got uh, locked out of the tight ends as well. So it'll be interesting to see how we manage both the tight end necessity in that one. But when you start with Tyreek Hill, DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Brown, Chris Godwin, T. Higgins, and Jerry Judy, uh, you're going to be scoring a lot of points at wide receiver and a lot of points in the flex, which is what we're trying to do. But the big contest this week, Column, is the Scott Fish Bowl. And... Listeners to last week with Scott, they know that we both had the third pick. We had discussed a little bit what we were going toward, but I don't think necessarily we would have expected to have almost identical drafts, uh, you know, even at the beginning perhaps, but but through two rounds, we did not get together and discuss these picks, but call them how our, our drafts look.
1: Yeah, I actually thought that, um, you know, when I when I made my second pick, I thought it was going to be quite a unique start, but it uh, doesn't, doesn't look to be unique as both of us have the, the same first two picks. Both uh, started out the gate with uh, Travis Kelsey at tight end, and then uh, his running mate and Tyreek Hill um, coming back the other way. Now, I had a little bit of additional motivation to do it. I don't know if it was part of your motivation, but um, the guy you know going to be drafting pretty soon after me had uh, Patrick Mahomes and I didn't want to give up that stack I guess for this it mightn't matter in the long run but um, being able to have the tight end one and the wide receiver one in terms of ADP was was too much for me to pass up Um, I'm I'm assuming it was the same for you and actually in your draft Hill was the third wide receiver off the board which is a little bit of a surprise.
2: It is but we definitely still like DeAndre Hopkins a lot we like Stefan Diggs I don't think that those two guys are necessarily that far behind Hill, but when you look at Hill scoring over the last two seasons and consider that this could be the mega season from him, right? We've seen Michael Thomas with a season that just really gapped the rest of the wide receivers in 2019. We saw Devontae Adams do it in 2020. The Chiefs upgraded their offensive line, did not upgrade their pass catchers, uh, Mahomes is going to have a little bit more time, and he's going to be lasered in on Travis Kelsey. On potential to have big games together, which we like at the top of the draft here. But they also have that element where they're going to balance each other. And so, when we're looking for uh, one big score at least from the top, uh, we can feel pretty confident that if it's not a Kelsey game, it'll be a Hill game, and vice versa. In my draft. Patrick Mahomes actually fell to fourth, which I thought was a pretty big surprise. The first two picks, Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, obviously, like you mentioned, both of us took Travis Kelsey, number three overall. His gap to like the third or fourth (laughs) tight end is double, right? So when you're talking about what he's going to do and the advantage that he gives you, I don't think that there is this format who is remotely close. Now, Christian McCaffrey for me is such a, a huge Talent and he would be the other option. I was a little bit surprised to see Alvin Kamara go two in my draft, although Kamara was last year's hero. And there's at least a possibility that he'll adjust better to the new offense than some drafters are thinking. And when I say that, it's mostly just the fact that he's not going number two necessarily in most formats, even more normal formats than this one. Then Josh Allen, the first QB. Off the board in my draft. So again, you see the influence of the rushing upside there. Allen, somebody I really like. I think that Buffalo offense is going to be extremely dynamic and valued compared to the rest of the receivers in that top tier. Not just in, in this draft. I think that if you are an Allen believer, you should take him number one. I do think that he's closer to that Murray Jackson, Dak Prescott tier than where he tends to be drafted
1: yeah i would agree with that and it got a little bit interesting from here and you can see from draft to draft um if you're looking through just like some of the conferences i your your draft is a couple of like one round ahead of mine so i'm kind of checking to see where players are falling <laughs> to give a little bit of an edge to see what the drafts are like but when we look through them i mentioned the fact that hopkins and diggs went ahead of hell in your draft and when i was on the clock with the option for who i was going to pick it was between diggs and hell Also we have the third round reversal which meant after that pick I wasn't going to pick basically for a round and a half and I made the decision to go with Tyreek Hill at that point. Uh, Little did I know that when we get back to my next pick that Stefan Diggs would still be an option uh, as a selection so uh, Diggs the wide receiver for then on our draft on, on my side. So I've started off with Kelsey, Hill and Diggs, and I'm just about to be on the clock probably before we finish recording this episode. So we might talk in a moment about that. But Sean has started then with the same first two picks, then Camakers, then Justin Jefferson. So we're both uh, passing on the quarterback so far and and um, in my draft in particular, a huge quarterback run in round one all quarterbacks bar two quarter but par two non-quarterbacks. So that led to the other players getting pushed down. What was your thoughts there on, on passing on quarterback? I'm pretty much at this point probably going to punt quarterback as far down the road as it goes.
2: Yeah, it was a difficult choice. And I think that probably for both of us, the question in round two was, you know, do you go with Tyreek Hill and get that wide receiver who could massively gap the field, or do we go with the QB at that spot? I had the option to take aaron Rodgers there we've debated him a little bit in our drafts if he returns then he becomes a home run selection especially for this particular format where the elite real life qbs tend to was the number eight pick overall in your draft so he was long gone for you your draft featured 10 quarterbacks in the first round didn't have nearly that many go in mind. But then it started to balance out. And for both of us, I'm guessing the difficult choice in the Hill selection was whether or not we, to go with Joe Burrow, whom we're both very high on.
1: Yeah, that was exactly the the decision. I didn't have the option off Roger. So yeah, I was looking towards uh, Burrow as the option. I think once you go past there, I think there's a a drop off to the next tier in terms of what you can expect. So like you said, I went for the uh you know, the shoot for the moon selection there to see who could uh, out, outweigh the other wide receivers by by a distance but luckily then as I mentioned Diggs came up as the next option um, I, I think just based on how players were going I, there was quite a run then on running backs true round two round three in, in my draft so that's where I held off there and as I mentioned it's coming back around now I, I can't see it being a, a quarterback selection and um, there is a few running back options on the board and um, one of them that uh, I had a little bit of thought about when I went for Diggs, and I just I couldn't pass up on Diggs versus Joe Mixon, but I had a a, a little bit of an inkling to, to head in that direction, and we'll be talking about him later in the show. But, Sean, you took Cam Akers there and then wrapped it up with uh, Justin Jefferson. Um, Was there any other selections in, in your mind at that time? Uh, Ridley was still on the board. Devontae Adams was still on the board.
2: This was an interesting one for me, because I do think that there is a potential element where having some exposure to an elite running back if you're getting that elite running back very inexpensively makes some sense I also like in the fishbowl to take some players who I don't normally get and so if I have a shot at a guy in this format in part because it's an odd format or a different format and uh, because it's not a big money format I can definitely take some of those chances see how it works out I liked Akers there as the running back 13 he went as the running back 10 in your draft we're seeing him go uh, even in the first round of some regular redraft leagues to get to be a value that's hard to resist right i mean i would have him above austin eckler i would have him above nick chubb i would have him you know well above harris i would probably have him above ezekiel elliott uh, i would have him above derrick henry We talked about Saquon Barkley in our best ball draft. That's who we went with. Uh, But, you know, if Barkley does have a a problem with the injuries, you could easily see him outscoring him there. I think that Akers is the value here if you're going to look at running back. One of the things that I did in terms of looking at QBs, counted through the guys that I would feel comfortable with, 14 quarterbacks were off the board at that point. I had another 13. Viable in some way, shape, or form in this format. And so I went with the running back, and then I had the good fortune to have in the next four picks. So the players who picked number one and number two overall, when it wrapped through them, they did not select a second QB. And so then when it came to me in the fourth round, I was able to look at Jefferson. Jefferson, not somebody I'm getting a lot of exposure to so far, not because he's off the board by any stretch. He's a guy I would like, but I haven't been able to get him in most regular drafts in part because he is so highly coveted and so I wanted to take him coming back around because I think the QBs are going to get back to me and I think that while we know that there is some depth to wide receiver I think that that's always overstated to the a star you want to go ahead and do that I don't think the quarterbacks in this 15 to 28 range are necessarily all that different Kirk cousins went a couple picks later as the qb 15 he's not necessarily someone i would have wanted and so i like getting that kind of balance there i feel like i could potentially have well i really like the the chances to have the top tight end and then the top wide receiver acre someone who You know he went again as the running back 10 in your draft wasn't still there i don't think he's going to fall to that point that often and so it creates a little bit of an unusual build as well
0: we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to indeed data
1: So, Sean, two little pieces coming up here, um, looking through them that are up on the website at the moment and um, both featuring some running backs. Um, I know two running backs that you're quite interested in this year. We both have talked in the past about Nick Chubb and you know, probably the best pure runner in the NFL, um, if we could get him all the PPR work to go along with it. Uh, and then we have one as well with Joe Mixon. So, Michael Hitchcock has uh, talked about Joe Mixon and then Tim Talmadge has talked about... Um, Nick Chubb uh, over Ezekiel Elliott, Um, which do you want to dive into first?
2: Yeah, well, this is the debut article from Michael Hitchcock. He is a longtime reader of the site, and he starts out with a fantastic piece on Joe Mixon. Colin, we've talked about Mixon a couple of different times recently on the show, and one of the things that does concern us is that he is an elite talent. And you see that come into play with his fantasy points over expectation. The efficiency numbers aren't necessarily there. Although in some of these cases, we can blame that on the Cincinnati Bengals offense, which has not been very favorable to running back scoring, to blocking for the running back, that type of element. During a lot of the time that Mixon has been In Cincinnati and that could change right we expect this offense to really grow in 2021 even though they didn't address the offensive line the way a lot of people wanted they instead took Jamar Chase but that should also have some trickle down effects that allow the offense overall to be more explosive if defenses are having to really account for those three wide receivers then Mixon won't be the focal point the way he has been and sometimes some cool notes here looking at the specific element of Mixon and the potential receiving value over the last three years he's been out targeted he's been over the last three years on third down giovanni bernard has had more receptions than he has by a margin of 46 to 12. the other thing that we can see pulling out the game splits tool is that in those games when bernard is missed and Mixon has been healthy which those games don't always overlap but Mixon jumps to 19 points per game. And that's not necessarily a surprising number when we look at the expected points that Mixon has had. Well, you pull up the Weekly Stat Explorer, you look through those numbers, the different players against each other. He's actually well ahead of backs like Aaron Jones and Austin Eckler in terms of what his value should do, what his volume should do, translated into actual fantasy points. The question then, again is that if he ruins a lot of that by not being as explosive as those players, then what do we do with that whole package? But calling it mixing one of these guys, where I like to tap to target only extreme volume and extreme talent together in those first couple of rounds, but it's starting to get a little bit a player in round one at that running back position, if you do want to have a single elite running back build, if you're trying to get some exposure to some running back upside, there are a lot of red flags. Mixon looks like the kind of guy who even if he doesn't have an absurd season like a McCaffrey or like an Alvin Kamara, he could still be that guy who gets you more points, gets you more points consistently, gets you more points safely than some of the more expensive backs. Would that be your take at this point? You mentioned that Mixon was in the mix for you in terms of selecting a guy there at SFB.
1: Yeah, uh, the thing with Mixon is, not we talked about big gap backs last week, uh, in terms of Mixon, like, there's a big gap to anyone going behind him. You mentioned the fact that Giovanni Bernard is no longer in town, but this is an offense we expect to score a lot of points. We expect them to be quite, you know, uh, overall we'll see what their win-loss record is, but we have a lot of faith in this offense in general, and what's going to happen with that is there's going to be opportunities for, Giovanni Bernard in the the red zone and the, the green zone to get into the end zone and uh, to put up those points. So I think we're going to see as much volume as, Bar- or as Mixon can probably take in this, this offense this year. So I- I'm making a play mainly on volume, but I, I do think the talent is there. I- I've never been overly sold on Mixon, mainly because of some of the off-the-field situations that come with him. But in terms of what he's done the last couple of years, he's one of those players who kind of sneaks under the radar he's not a he's not a sexy pick but I think in terms of where he's going at the moment he is a he is a value I think in the past he was maybe overvalued um, and then we were staying well well clear but I think with how this offense is going to hopefully go this year I think Mixon is a an interesting value at his current spot and um, he he may well be the next pick um, (laughs) in the SFB here as well
2: and then we have Tim's article on Nick Chubb and his Provocative thesis is that he's got some reasons he would take Chubb over Ezekiel Elliott. And on the most recent edition of Stealing Bananas, and if you haven't had a chance to check that out with Ben Gretsch, uh, we've had a lot of fun recording it. We hope that you'll have discussing in our second week the evolution of the NFL and what's going to be the next big thing. And one of the ideas that I suggested is that maybe this trend that we've had over the last several years where we had the rise of the Uber back. Maybe that's a little bit of a historical fluke that is about to disappear again. Are these guys going to go extinct? We went through the first couple of rounds, tried to find players we felt comfortable with, tried to find that next breakout player, uh, looked at who really fits the Uber back profile, and we had a couple of sleeper-ish. Now, these guys are going early, so it's more a matter of, we like some of the guys in round two better than the guys in round one, but it does get a little bit tricky to find. And I think that Nick Chubb is interesting because that limit on his ceiling that we get from Kareem Hunt may be exactly what you need to get a good price. And Tim looks through here. He talks about the fact that Chubb and Elliot are going in different directions. Chubb above Average in terms of fantasy points over expectation in every game, but one last year actually averaged a whopping 4.6 FPOE. So, I mean, he's outperforming his volume by a huge margin, you know, in contrast to Joe Mixon, whom we just discussed. And if you look at Elliott versus Chubb, just an ex- as an example, starting to do some of those same kinds of things of knocking into that upside. So, we look at the two prices together. It's almost one of those things, and I don't think people are really thinking about it like this, where for Elliott to do what people are hoping for, we would almost need Pollard to get hurt, right? At the same time, if Kareem Hunt goes down, you're looking at a massive season from Nick Chubb. Tim also pulls up the range of outcomes tool and shows how Chubb actually project way better than Ezekiel Elliott. So again, with Elliot, a lot of this goes back to the question of how much of 2020 was his own injuries how much of it was the lack of Dak Prescott but Colin, are you pulled into this idea of landing chairs as we go along here
1: I I I mentioned at the start I've always thought Chubb was a fantastic you know player Um, my concern always was with could he get the PPR work obviously with Kareem Hunt there that limits that upside but I think now at this point we're starting to see his value Reflect that, and I think maybe has actually over reflected that in terms of he will have a value at his current spot. I also think, like in, in the past, we've talked with Kareem Hunt a lot and you know, as, as even a zero RB candidate, but I think at this point now, his value is almost baked in at a, a peak. Um, and that there's obviously given a little bit of a discount to Chubb. Um, I think both are fantastic players, but I, I do like Chubb and I think he's interesting in that area. I, I do have a lot of other players though. If I'm, for full disclosure that I'm targeting over Chubb. But if you know if the opportunity does pr- preside itself, I, I think I I would go in that direction. Um but I'm at the moment I have very limited shares in terms of my uh, best ball exposure to to Chubb. But I also agree with the the comment on the the Elliott part. I know listeners of the show will probably think we're very down on Elliot. Um, it tends to be something that we, we take up from time to time. But um I, I do think Pollard's going to continue to work into that. So if it was between the two, I would be more likely to draft um, Chubb than Elliott if, if that was um, the thesis of the, the article.
2: Yeah, and, and Pollard starting to get pretty expensive in particular drafts. He went at the very eight in the best ball draft that you and I did in the FFPC $100,000 tournament this past weekend. Uh, Column, we have a, a full series of shows on this event, what was your favorite part of it?
1: I will look, anytime I get to draft along with you, Sean, is a, is, is a good experience. Um, I, I thought overall it was fun. I think one of the things that was most challenging for us and for anyone that listens into the four part series. Um, Basically, the quick turnaround of being at spot eleven, while uh, for a behind-the-scenes look to the listeners of recording a, a podcast at the same time, uh, there was a little bit of a challenge to that. But uh, I enjoyed, um, you know, that process of, of those quick decisions and having to make those decisions as, as rapidly as possible. Uh, I actually, I think the team came out came out pretty good. We hit a lot of our targets. The thing I was most surprised about by Sean was uh, I posted a posted like without the team names on on Twitter, see which team we drafted and. We about seventy five percent of the people guessed the right, the right team, which I didn't think would happen with the the double running backs in the first four rounds. But uh, Diggs, Hawkinson, and Etienne, uh, along with Ayuk, Tyler Boyd, uh, seem to seem to give it away. People seem to know that is is on brand at this point.
2: Yeah, that uh, well, that, that's the perfect team. So if uh, <laughs> it, if readers were just voting based on, I mean, who, who would who would select the the best team. No, uh, we're joking. That the competition in these drafts is fantastic, and yet, if you go in, use the Rotoviz tools, I really think that the hundred thousand dollar winner is going to come from a Rotoviz listener, a Rotoviz subscriber, uh, someone using the content here. Michael Dubner had a fantastic series over the last several days, looking at best ball stacks and the mistakes people are making. We've talked a little bit about it on the show, and talked about a little bit. Of, about it with Zach, who has the best ball series with you. And there are some mistakes people are making on that element that you can really take advantage of in this format. So make sure you check out Michael's work. Uh, make sure you check out Michael Hitchcock's work. It was awesome to have him with the first article. I had some new pieces by some debut authors. If you missed the Note that Dave Cabin sent out a couple weeks ago uh, asking for uh, people who were interested to send in submissions. If you're a longtime listener to the show and you thought, well, maybe I would like to have one of my own articles up there. I've got a really good idea for a piece that would help out the Rotovis readers, that would help out the Rotovis listeners. You can send that in. It doesn't necessarily mean that it will make it, but we always like to interact with people who have been readers, who have been listeners uh, make sure you use the tools. Send that to the Rotoviz main Gmail account, and perhaps you can uh, join this group of writers that will be debuting on the site over the next month.
1: Yeah, it's re- it's really exciting to see you guys coming on, and it's not that long ago either. I mentioned at the start of the show, we'll be talking to Sam Wallace. It doesn't seem like that long ago that he jumped on as a new guy now is a, like an established force, one of my one of my go-to people to to read content from. So um, I just wanted to mention as well, Sean the. Other part, that uh, you may as well have your signature on the draft when KJ Hamler pops up in those last couple of rounds. That's uh, a Sean, Se- <laughs> Sean Siegel draft, once we see that coming in. Um, but uh, no, it was a lot of fun. It is uh, up, well, part one is up on the, the overtime feed. You'll see the other episodes coming in. So rather than your normal three per week, yeah, you might have uh, six or seven this week as you get some additional content. But if you want to hear Sean's thought process on the clock while we're making those picks, um, I think it'll, it'll make you... Um, think a little bit more in your own drafts as well so uh, do check that out as always drop us a written review and in your favorite podcast app we do appreciate each and every one of those and as of course i mentioned at the start to sean and ben gretz doing the seed and bananas podcast if you haven't checked it out yet i think it's immediate appointment listening there is five up i think so far maybe six episodes but we are getting into the second week actually six episodes will be up on wednesday and that there is going to be jj zacharyson uh late round quarterback and uh, you'll be amazed at the conversation i've already heard it but uh, you do not want to miss that one and spent most of last week in the top five on the the apple podcast charts and uh, is still in the top 10 this week so drop it a written and review as well while you're at it a fantastic podcast do not miss it and of course the last thing to add in is you can get yourself a listeners only discount to a Rotoviz nfl pass all you need to add is the code rv radio 2021 at checkout or go to rotavis.com forward slash podcast for more information that'll get you set up for this season all the content all the tools up on the site will be available with that pass and that's going to do it for today's edition of the show my name is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at over ireland and of course my co-host is sean siegel you can check out sean's work up on rotobiz.com. until we're back on thursday with sam wallace and until then have a good one